Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio. Your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, January 12th, and we start, as always, with local news. Following the passing of the third grade retention law in 2021, which will take effect this year, some lawmakers are now pushing to enact a first grade age requirement. Representative Scott Sapicki said he plans to file new legislation setting a first grade minimum age requirement at seven years old. If a student is not yet seven, they would have to pass a local assessment to show that they are on track. Current state law requires children to be at least five years old before enrolling in kindergarten, while other law, while another law allows children close to their birthday to enroll early if deemed appropriate. If we're willing to retain them in third grade after they've spent three years in the system and they're showing that they are behind, why won't we retain them in kindergarten and get them on track in the beginning? Sipiki asked. Sipiki referred to a report from the comptroller which found that students who were older at kindergarten enrollment performed better on third grade literacy tests than their younger peers. Based on an analysis of student-level data obtained from the Tennessee Department of Education, OREA found that Tennessee students who were older at kindergarten enrollment performed better on third-grade literacy tests than their peers, the brief states. The data also found that 42% of kindergarten students aged 6 to uh, 7 seven years old were on or above grade level in third-grade literacy, compared to 33% of younger students aged 4.5 to 5 years old. This trend of older students outperforming their younger peers continued past third grade as measured by students' later performance on sixth-grade literacy tests, the brief read. The bill, which has yet to be filed, will also suggest expanding summer school and tutoring. If a student comes in early in kindergarten and needs more help, a teacher can recommend summer school to do better on the test and move on, Sipiki said. Representative Sipiki added that the details of the bill are still being worked out, this may be a bill where we need to have further discussion over the summer and bring it back next year, he said. Once the bill is filed, it will go to the General Assembly for the next steps. We have got to draw a line in the sand because we can't keep moving these kids forward failing, Sapicki said. We have to make sure what we're doing early sets the kids up for success, he said. One of Murray County's few remaining links to the greatest generation took her last great journey last week. Winifred Winnie Moore Briegel passed away on Tuesday, January 3rd at the age of 100 years old in Spring Hill. She was born on February 5, 1922 in Woodsfield, Ohio, and was the daughter of the late Orville and Grace Moore. Murray County's Veterans Service Office estimates there are about 55 World War II veterans still living in the county. Officials noted that number is an estimate as veterans are not counted until they apply for benefits. During World War II, Briegel joined the United States Navy. She was commissioned as an ensign and served as a cryptographer in the Navy's Women Accepted for Volunteer Emergency Service, or WAVES, from 1944 until 1949. She was initially assigned to the port director's office in Baltimore, where she delivered messages to ships. Briegel was later assigned to a small group of 10 coders, whose mission was to deliver messages throughout the Washington, D.C. area. We were a secret society. We were told that we weren't to tell anyone what we did, and we couldn't even talk about what we were doing among ourselves. Our job was to code and decode messages, Briegel told Main Street Murray's Chris Yao in a 2019 interview. 
We were couriers with a leather pouch going all around the D.C. and Baltimore area carrying top-secret messages. In order to be sure the messages were safe, we had to carry a gun, she said. Briegel's work included transmitting messages using the now-famous Navajo code, which used the little-spoken and difficult-to-master Native American language to send information in the Pacific Theater. The code was never broken by the Japanese, and its existence was not made public until decades after the war. Those Navajo men were heroes, Briegel said in her 2019 interview. You won't read about this in school books, and that's a shame. They are the reason we won the war. The atom bomb and the Navajo code talkers are what won the war in the Pacific, she said. According to an interview she gave with Mott's Military Museum in 2021, the secrecy of the code was drilled into all those using it, so much so that when she deciphered a message and learned that her brother's ship had been sunk in the Mediterranean Sea by enemy fire, she could not even call her parents to tell them. Her brother, Lewis Moore, survived the incident, according to Briegel's son, Gary. Even after the war, she could not tell her husband about her involvement with the Code Talkers until receiving permission from the Pentagon in the mid-1970s. After the war ended, Briegel enjoyed a long career in education, teaching 35 years in public high schools and an additional 20 at a community college in Panama City Beach, Florida. After being displaced by Hurricane Michael in 2018, Briegel moved to Spring Hill, where she spent the remaining years of her life. Briegel also spent numerous hours documenting her service for future generations to remember. She lost a book she was writing when the hurricane came through Panama City and took everything she had, said her son Gary. I have interviewed her and transcribed those interviews, so I have about as good a knowledge of her service and all of her service as anybody does. Gary Briegel has also retained his mother's military records. He noted one oddity in that his mother's commission papers refer to him and his rather than her and hers. He's currently working on a book on his mother's wartime experiences. They were bringing her, in, bringing her in so fast that they weren't able to change the gender on the papers, Gary Briegel said. Prior to her passing, Winnie Briegel received a Living Legend Award from the Military Women's Memorial in Washington, D.C., and an award from the West Virginia High School where she graduated in the 1930s. A military museum in Columbus, Ohio, also dedicated an exhibit to her service and included a multi-page article in its newspaper. Briegel and her husband George, who preceded her in death in 2003, are survived by two sons, five grandchildren, six great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. Briegel also has one surviving sister. A celebration of life service was held on Saturday, January 7th in Spring Hill and included a 21-gun salute. The family received a folded American flag in recognition of their mother's service to her country. The Navy did a wonderful flag ceremony, and I received that flag from them. It was really amazing, Gary Briegel said. They did a really good job honoring her service in the military. Up until the day she died, she believed that the Navajo Code Talkers didn't get enough credit for all the things they had done. That was her mission, to make sure people understood the sacrifices those Navajo men made, he said. Governor Bill Lee and state's economic leader wanted to personally tout the largest broadband investment in Tennessee's history on Monday. Lee applauded local efforts to help make more than $54 million in grant funds available for broadband expansion before an audience consisting of state representatives and leaders from multiple counties. This is the largest grant of all the grants that the state has made in state history, Lee said. 
Speaking at Allenbrook Farms in Spring Hill, Lee said the funds from the American Rescue Plan for use in Williamson County, as well as Bedford, Franklin, Giles, Lincoln, Marshall, Murray, and Moore counties are possible only when a community comes together, he said. Local governments were required to contribute their own funds in order to receive the grants. Stuart McWhorter, commissioner of the State Department of Economic and Community Development, said local county and city governments contributed $77 million. This is entirely a local effort, Lee said. This is local leaders serving local people. This is not a governor's initiative. This is a partnership, he said. The event was attended by over 100 Project Unite partners, including representatives from Middle Tennessee Electric and Duck River Electric. Project Unite is the Middle Tennessee Electric's initiative to bridge the digital divide in Middle Tennessee. United Communications President William Bradford in October talked in more detail about how $14 million of the $54 million grant funding would help Williamson County. United Communication, which is part of Middle Tennessee Electric, will soon be providing Internet service in rural western Williamson County and parts of Murray County, Bradford said. The company's project, Unite, is designed to get service to locations that didn't have any broadband whatsoever. It was also the entire western half of the county, Bradford said. He specifically pointed to areas around Fairview, New Hope, Burwood, and Leapers Fork in the west, as well as southeastern areas of the county like Arrington and Triune that have small pockets without Internet access. United Communications contributed $3.3 million for Williamson County's project, while the county contributed nearly $5 million. Murray County received $17 million in grant money, which is expected to fund broadband expansion to nearly 4,000 locations countywide. Local governments contributed matching funds, and United Communications is investing nearly $4 million in Murray County. Most areas targeted for broadband are in Murray County's northwest, Santa Fe, Bethel, Water Valley, and Williamsport among them, as well as some spots in the south. Projected completion is over the next two years. Both Columbia Central High School graduates Tradarius Goff and Dre Hall enter the Class 5A football program as a package, returning to their home turf as the team's new assistant coaches. The two have grown up together, played on the 2010 state championship title team together, and served as past assistant coaches at Mount Pleasant High School, Class 2A. Now they are back in the lion's den, ready to strengthen the football program in Columbia. We've grown up together and gone to church together, Hall said. We've been around each other since we were little, Goff said. Now the dynamic duo will help lead the Lions to victory next season. Central head coach Bobby Sharp, who previously coached in Lewis County for 33 seasons, and principal Michael Steele announced Goff, 29, a 2011 graduate, and Hall, 27, a 2013 graduate, as the Lions' new assistant coaches on Monday at a community press conference in the school auditorium. Goff and Hall say they are glad to be home, coaching on the same field where they toiled for the state title. Goff, who played as a linebacker at Tennessee Tech University, said his central purple pride was beaming on Monday. It's home to me, walking in here and being in this area, he said. I have a commitment to the kids and seeing them grow. I'm here now and ready to give my all to this program and get it to where it's supposed to be, he said. To the players, Goff said, I'll be there for you. Hall, who played as a wide receiver for the University of North Alabama, also the Lions, said he's dedicated to getting to know players individually and building on their strengths. Every kid is different, he said. You have to get to know the kids on a personal level. I'll hold you accountable and expect you to do it, but I'll also be there however you need me, Hall said. 
Sharp, who took the helm of the program in March, said he has high hopes for the two new assistant coaches. I think the stars are aligning, Sharp said. It's hard to win without a full coaching staff. Now we have a full coaching staff, he said. After a few setbacks last year, Central lost a few coaching prospects unexpectedly to offers from other schools and various circumstances that left the coaching team understaffed, Sharp said, all while he was trying to build momentum for the program as the new head coach. Last year, Sharp replaced interim coach John Moore, who led the Lions to a 7-5 and record after Jason Hoth was fired after the TSSAA dead period. They are a benefit to us, Sharp said. Everything they bring to the table is important. I have admiration for their character and the example they set. It's important for kids to see that, he said. Sharp said the current players already have respect for Goff and Hall. When I talk to the kids, they know these guys. They have respect for them and look up to them, Sharp said. Goff said he'll apply the same work ethic for his coaching that he experienced as a player on the championship team. We put in the work and had coaches who wanted us to be successful. The state championship was not an accident, Goff said. We came in to hard, work hard and listen to the coaches, and we were coachable, he said. Goff and Hall emphasized the importance of dedicating time to strength training and performance on the field. When asked what they were looking forward to most, Hall and Goff said joining in the central team spirit. I'm looking forward to the spirit of the band. I just want to stomp my feet, Hall said. We're going to do something big. We created the Lion Walk when I was here, and it's amazing to see that it's still going, Goff said. As the Lions enter a new rotation this year, playing new teams in the region on their roster, Sharp hopes to get the old rivalries back, like Tullahoma, Shelbyville, and Lawrenceburg. Central receiver Hunter Woody, 17, introduced himself to the new coaches after the press conference. It's awesome, he said. I think it's great. They want to come back home. Join Murray Alliance on Tuesday, January 24th at 11.30 a.m. for their annual Education Lunch, How CTE Programs and Community Partnerships Are Preparing Tomorrow's Workforce in Murray County. During this year's event, Murray Alliance President Will Evans will lead a panel discussion with representatives from Murray County Public Schools and Columbia State Community College. They will discuss career and technical education, CTE, programs, existing partnerships between our public school system, Columbia State, and local industries, future growth opportunities, and more. Panelists include Dr. Janet Smith, president of Columbia State Community College, Lisa Ventura, Murray County Superintendent of Schools, Keith Stacy, assistant superintendent of instruction, Amy Roberts, Murray County Public Schools CTE supervisor, Terry Thornton, Murray County Public Schools CTE workforce development and career coach, Melody Murphy, director of workforce and continuing education at Columbia State Community College, and Marin Mostagier, director of Edu- engineering systems technology at Columbia State Community College. For more information on the lunch, you can visit www.murrayalliance.com. Murray Regional Health, <coughs> excuse me, Murray Regional Health has opened the new Murray Regional Occupational Health Facility at 1114 West 7th Street in Columbia. Murray Regional Occupational Health provides its business partners with a full spectrum of employee health needs, ranging from pre-employment physicals and drug testing to a full-service workers' compensation clinic. With convenience on, convenient on-site x-ray and laboratory services, as well as an array of testing and screening options, the team is equipped to handle employee health needs with proficiency and expediency and has extensive knowledge regarding federal OSHA and Tennessee workers' compensation guidelines. 
Our goal is to provide high-quality care for all employees of our partner businesses, said Linda Oakley, the director of Murray Regional Occupational Health. We're quite proud of our new state-of-the-art facility, and our team members are ready to help with any employee's health need, she said. Some of the comprehensive services offered by Murray Regional Occupational Health include evaluation and treatment of work-related injuries and illnesses, pre-employment and annual physicals, including those for the Department of Transportation, drug screenings and breath alcohol testing, routine immunizations for flu, hepatitis B, tetanus, and more, tuberculin skin tests, urinalysis, pulmonary functioning testing, respiratory clearance and respirator fit testing, vision testing, hearing testing, treadmill testing, and more. Workers' comp services are also offered, including evaluation and treatment of work-related injuries and illnesses, follow-up evaluations and treatment of work-related injuries and illnesses, activity restriction recommendations, and return-to-work assessments. We're thrilled to be able to offer these services to our business partners, Oakley said. We work with businesses and industries of all sizes throughout southern Middle Tennessee. Employers who are interested in partnering with Murray Regional Health should call 931-490-1125 for more information or visit www.murrayregional.com forward slash occupational dash health. And now your hometown memorials sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Deborah Dean Fitzgerald, 65, an employee of Haller Insurance Company and a resident of Columbia, died Sunday, January 8th at Murray Regional Medical Center. No services are scheduled at this time for Mrs. Fitzgerald, but Oaks and Nichols funeral directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help, gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important. But we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours. And we invite you to experience the difference. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have thunderstorms today, a few of which may be severe. The high will be around 65 degrees with winds out of the west-southwest at 10 to 20 miles per hour. The chance of rain today, 80%. Tonight, we can expect showers early, then cloudy overnight. A few flurries or snow showers are possible. The low will be around 33 degrees with winds out of the northwest at 15 to 25 miles per hour. The chance of overnight rain 60%. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. 
and it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter. Like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Chris Dowdy from Tennessee Children's Home. We are overwhelmed by the support through our move to our new Spring Hill campus. We are excited about the new opportunities that these buildings will provide us to serve at-risk youth. We ask that you will continue to pray for us and those that we serve. We still need your continued support. Visit our website, tennesseechildrenshome.org, to make a donation or learn more about what we're doing to serve at-risk youth in Tennessee. Throughout the country, buried pipelines are indicated by a pipeline right-of-way. A long, wide stretch of grass cleared of trees and marked with signs. If you have a right-of-way near your home, do not plant anything in it or dig in it. Do not install a fence or build your kids a super cool fort without first getting the pipeline operator's approval. For more on pipeline safety, visit pipesafety.org. A message from the Tennessee Gas Association, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Three, two, one. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. The Tennessee Valley Authority will replace its Cumberland coal plant with a natural gas facility, uh, the federal utility formally announced on Tuesday, over the objections of some environmental groups. 
The Cumberland City Plan is TVA's largest generator of electricity, powering 1.1 million homes. It consists of two coal-fired units. The first unit will be retired and replaced with a 1,450-megawatt combined cycle natural gas plant by 2026. The second unit will be retired by 2028. TVA has not yet determined how it will replace the second unit. A 32, I'm sorry, a new 32-mile gas pipeline through Dixon, Houston, and Stewart counties will be built to supply the planned facility. The transition will cut carbon emissions from the facility by up to 60%, TVA said. The utility has said it plans on achieving net zero carbon emissions by 2050. That effort will include retiring its final five coal plants by 2035. The announcement follows a nearly two-year environmental review process in which environmental groups, the Department of Interior, and the EPA criticized TVA for not meaningfully exploring other options, such as renewables like solar, to replace the coal plant. The announcement also follows a winter storm in which some of TVA's coal and natural gas plants, including Cumberland, succumbed to cold weather, forcing the utility to implement rolling blackouts for the first time in its nearly 90-year history. Still, TVA CEO Jeff Lyish said only natural gas can provide the reliable power needed to replace coal at the site. Replacing retired generation with a natural gas plant is the best overall solution because it's the only mature technology available today that can provide firm, dispatchable power by 2026 when the first Cumberland unit retires. Dispatchable meaning TVA can turn it off and on as the system requires the power, Lyish said. Environmental groups condemned the plan to replace coal with another carbon-emitting fossil fuel. Just a few weeks after failing fossil fuel plants caused rolling blackouts across its footprint, the Tennessee Valley Authority is recklessly plowing ahead with plans to spend billions on another dirty gas power plant, said Amanda Garcia, director of the Southern Environmental Law Center's Tennessee office. Instead of doubling down on fossil fuels, TVA must invest in clean energy sources that can reliably provide cleaner and cheaper power, she said. In response to concerns about the failure of some natural gas plants in December, Elias said the plan, the TVA plans to build at the Cumberland site will be more resilient than the ones that failed during December's winter storm. He also pointed out that while some natural gas plants failed, the system also had zero solar energy available during the storm. TVA is moving forward with its plan despite the Federal Environmental Protection Agency declaring last week that it had substantial concerns about TVA's final environmental impact statement related to the Cumberland site. Federal law requires TVA, a federal utility, to evaluate the environmental impact of shutting down a facility like Cumberland and evaluate possible replacements. The EPA found that TVA failed to properly evaluate alternatives like solar at the site, noting that the alternatives analysis continues to rely on inaccurate underlying economic information. Specifically, the TVA failed to account for expected declines in the cost of clean energy and increases in the cost of natural gas, the EPA said. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Acclaimed rapper Kendrick Lamar, electronic duo Odessa, and rock and roll Hall of Famers Foo Fighters will top the bill of the 2023 Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival, set for June 15th through the 18th in Manchester, Tennessee. They're part of a robust and eclectic lineup that includes Lil Nas X, Tyler Childers, Paramore, Marcus Mumford, Baby Keem, My Morning Jacket, Wolfpack and Grizz, among 150-plus performers. Bonnaroo is the second Foo Fighters tour date to be announced since the passing of the band's longtime drummer, Taylor Hawkins, in March of 2022. The band was previously booked to perform at Bonnaroo in 2021, but severe storms led to the festival to cancel that year. Tickets for Bonnaroo 2023 will be released via an early access starting at 10 o'clock today. Fans will need to sign up at Bonnaroo.com, and they'll receive an access code the morning of the on on sale. Bonnaroo says a public on sale will follow for any remaining tickets and accommodations. Four-day passes start at $299, and for the first time, Bonnaroo will also offer single-day tickets at $175. Learn more at www.bonnaroo.com. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe.